Welcome to the Phoenix Nest, the podcast where bad bitches read romance. I'm Jess. And I'm Kat. And today we'll be discussing The Undertaking of Heart and Mercy by Megan Bannon. But before we get into the book, we'd like to remind you to rate and subscribe on your preferred podcast platform and follow us on social media. You can find us at the Phoenix Nest Pod on Instagram and PHX Pod on Twitter. You can also email us at the Phoenix Nest Pod at gmail.com. The links to our social media can be found in the description along with the link to our still very defunct Goodreads and our favorite local to Tucson independent bookstore, Mostly Books. We're recording in the same room again. Yeah, but this time it's a little bit different. It's Memorial Day weekend and you're at my house. I am at your house. Yeah, that is a rarity. It is a rarity. We don't travel much. Why are we lame? I don't think it's us. No, I don't think it's us either. No, I think it's gas prices. <laughs> Fuck, yeah. Yeah. And like just being five dollars a gallon and just dumb shit. I was so excited. Last time I was in Tucson, I paid four oh (gasps) nine. And I was like, yes. You got lucky. Yeah. Do you know what the worst is? Hmm. Circle K did their forty cents off. It was three ninety five a gallon between the hours of four and seven PM on a Thursday. Of course they did. When no one can go. (laughs) Fuck Circle K. They didn't lose money. Rude as hell. Okay. So let's go ahead. We're going to read The Undertaking of Heart and Mercy, which was my my selection. Yes. And it is one of my favorites. And I cannot wait to find out what you thought. (laughs) So before we get into that, go ahead and read the synopsis. Alrighty. Here we go. True love might be the death of them. Hart Ralston is a marshal tasked with the patrolling... Oops, with patrolling the strange and magical wilds of Tanria. It's an unforgiving job, and he's got nothing but time to ponder his loneliness. Mercy Birdsall never has a moment to herself. She's been single-handedly keeping Birdsall and Son undertakers afloat in defiance of sullen jerks like Heartache Heart, the man with a knack for showing up right when her patience is thinnest. After yet another run-in with the merciless Mercy, Hart finds himself penning a letter addressed simply to a friend. Much to his surprise, he receives an anonymous letter in return, and a tentative friendship is born. Little does Hart know he's bearing his soul to the person who infuriates him the most. And that's it. (laughs) That's the end of that. So, knowing that this is one of my favorite books of last year. Yeah. Going into it, what were your thoughts? Um, I, so I wasn't really sure what to expect. I don't know that I would categorize anything I've read as like a cozy romance. I think that's kind of like a newer trope. It is. Because it's more focused on the like otherworldliness mm-hmm. um, and just like the creation of things without a lot of explanation, right? Yeah. And so I didn't really know what to expect, which was fine. I'm totally down for, like, reading something new anyways. So I just kind of tried to go in with an open mind knowing that, like, this isn't normally one of my go-tos. Yeah, this isn't normally something that I think you would reach for. Like, you wouldn't grab for this. Even though it's got the bright cover and it's, like, the pink spine and the bright blue, but it has skeleton hands making a heart on the cover. And I feel like that that would kind of put you off. But, you know, I would say that I'm not really into, like, the macabre, so to speak. Um, But I do enjoy things that are both, like, endearing and funny. Like, if we take Wednesday, for example, Mm -hmm. Wednesday is not something, like, the premise of the whole show, the series, was not something that I was like, yeah, I totally want to watch that. Like, I watched it because students pressured me to, and I needed to know what the hell they were talking about. (laughs) 
And then it turned out to be really, like, smart and funny and witty. And this is kind of a similar feeling. Like, is this something that I would normally go for? Not really. No. But is it something that I was happy with? Absolutely. So it's, like, a little give and take, right? Yeah. So this is what I reach for when I want something. Your cozy is different than my cozy, yeah. I think, is what we're learning. My cozy is different. But I also am a huge fan of paranormal-style romances. Yes. I prefer the weird. It's just how I've always gravitated because I read a lot of fantasy. Yeah. Um, so this hit every button when I first read it. Okay. And I got lucky. I think that's fair. Yeah. I got lucky and got an arc. So I had an advanced copy of it mm-hmm. and fell in love with it immediately and was like, if you haven't read it, I suggest you highly do so when it comes out. Yeah. Like, you yeah. must do so. Um, and then we recommended it. And my mom, hi, mom. My mom <laughs> listens. And uh, she started listening to the audiobook on her way to and from work. Mm-hmm. And she was texting me. She's like, I'm loving this book so much. And I'm like, yes, bring more people over to my side. And I, it seems to be one of those books where I recommend it to people. And I'm like, if you liked this, mm-hmm. you'll love this. And I've been right almost every time. I think something that we should note about this before we even get into the plot is that, like, the difference between the, like, enemies to lovers trope that we are really familiar with in this book is that it's not entirely focused on the enemies portion, and that's usually, like, two-thirds of the book. Yeah. This is more focused on, like, the personal growth of each of the characters separately. Yeah. And that's something that I think you and I often talk about, like, we wish we had more character growth. By the end of the book. And this kind of had it really full circle. Yeah. In a lot of ways, which we'll talk about. But that was probably one of the things that like set it apart from normal enemies to lovers, even fantasy or paranormal that we've read before. And I think that it also did um, the fantasy aspe- aspect of it really well. They gave good descriptions without going too deep in the world. Yeah. So a lot of times with fantasy, it's kind of difficult because you're so immersed in the world. Yeah. They have to give you all of the information up front. With this one, they give you the information and it's not over the top. It's very well balanced. And when I call it a cozy, it's more slice of life for each character Mm -hmm. as opposed to it's solely based on their relationship with each other. Yeah. So it's them going through their day to day and kind of explaining what they do. And I think that that just makes it more fun, I think, to read. I think it's a more realistic or, like, relatable version of what we've read before. Because fantasy is relatable because it's fantasy, right? Yeah. But this relationship portion is relatable because we get to see normal people doing normal things. Yeah. It's not like they're billionaires. And, like, I mean, to be fair, Hart's a demigod, right? Yeah. But, like, that doesn't really do anything for him the, ever. <laughs> and I think it's really funny because you say... We get to see them do normal things, but yeah. they don't have normal jobs. But, like, they have normal within their within realm their of, world. of the book, right? Yeah. Like, an undertaker is, like, an actual job. A mm-hmm. marshal is an actual job. But, like, the details of their jobs are what is kind of the fantasy portion of this. Yeah. And I think she did a good job of spinning those those careers on its head and kind of making them the same yet very very different mm-hmm. the world building on its own is just phenomenal the, just everything about the book is perfect in my opinion mm, okay and we'll okay. get into that later okay so uh let's kind of go into this the everything about it it's late and we want to go play games <laughs> <laughs> um okay so we'll start first um we know that 
Heart and Mercy are essentially enemies, except that Heart is like in love with Mercy's dog, Leonard. And so he kind of makes sure that anytime he has a body to drop off, he goes to Birdsell and Sons because he gets to see Leonard. And then we find out later that that's because his dog had recently died. Yeah. Or like, re- I say recently, it was like two years past, um, right? It's an animal. It's still Right. Recent. But like, when you sometimes when you say recently, people are like a week ago. And it's like, no, that's not it. But so he's kind of like giving himself a little therapeutic moment by visiting Leonard whenever he can, even though it causes arguments between he and Mercy. Yeah. And so we have that whole dynamic set up. And so his job, essentially, being a marshal, is supposed to go – he's supposed to go and collect bodies, and he's supposed to kill drudges. And what drudges are are these, like, once-living creatures that are reanimated by a soul that's lost, essentially – and they start to decay. So it's like zombies. It's like zombies. <clears throat> the interesting thing, though, is that the soul lives in the appendix. Yeah. Which I think is funny because that's kind of one of the really old school beliefs in a lot of mythology or, mm-hmm. like, old religion. Because any research you have shows, like, you don't need your appendix. That's why you can get it removed. But yeah. it can also kill you. Nobody really knows what the appendix was for. Yeah. So they think that it's a way for you to store your soul. Which I think is funny because when he goes out and he kills these dredges, he has to make sure like he's he's got an apprentice with him and he's showing him like how to do it. And mm-hmm. he's like, here's where the appendix is. Make sure you're shooting for it. Yeah, you have to slice it open and make sure that the soul gets out. And, you know, it's basically like you're killing a reanimated corpse. And so these souls that turn other bodies into dredges kind of just pick <laughs> either something that's not as decayed as their previous body they inhabited or just whatever is nearest depending on if they're desperate so sometimes it ends up being like an animal <laughs> mm-hmm. or like something that's really 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 dead and so they have like the zombie moment where they're like trying to get people in the streets and bite them and like they can inflict pain but like you don't become infected they just kind of eat you yeah um so there's that but that's okay, the only so that's scary like Hart, part. Hart Ralston's like whole deal, right? Yeah. He's a demigod. He's six foot nine. He's flipping huge. He's huge. Um, on the flip side of that, we didn't have a moment in here which was nice where they're like, and Mercy was so dainty. No, she's no. like, she herself is very tall. Mm-hmm. And she's like, they describe her as buxom. Yep. Which means that she's hippie. She's got titties. She's thick. She is a woman. Right? That's what buxom generally means. Yeah. A lot of people take that to mean big-breasted. That's just kind of how that is. That's Even though that's not the entire meaning. That's no, like the... That's just the portion of the meaning that they prefer to take. Yeah. Which is so stupid. Yeah. It's very strange. Um, <laughs> so, we have a few dilemmas. So, the first one is that... It's so weird because it's like underlining like layers of stories. So, Hart works on his own because his previous partner died in a drudge attack. Mm-hmm. Right? And we later find out that this is all something that Bill, his previous partner, had kind of orchestrated. He didn't mean to die. Yeah. But he was trying to get Hart to do a certain thing. And Hart was super young and tried to do it. And it caused him to have to kill Bill. Yeah. Which is fun to say, but not fun for the book. And so he's working alone. And his supervisor gives him a new partner against his will. And it's this, like, really young kid who's not stupid which is really nice no he's not dumb he's really sweet his name is penrose duckers he either goes by (laughs) their names are funny in this too their names are really cute because then like mercy's brother is zeddy yeah 
but her dad's roy roy yeah. and her sister is lillian like <laughs> it's like you have a really interesting blend of like funky fantasy names yeah and then like normal people names that we're used to so there's that so he gets a partner against his will He's in this ongoing battle with an Equimaris, which is like a seahorse, but not a seahorse. It's like a horse that is water bound. It reminded me a little bit of um, the horses, the hippocampus. Oh, yeah. That's what it reminded me of. Okay, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. It made me very much think of Percy Jackson. Mm, yes. Because that's where my brain goes. Well, demigod. That kind of even, spoon feeds you. Even better. Yeah. So we have... That's kind of Hart Ralston's deal, and we'll get to where their, like, stories kind of align, but then we have Mercy, and so Mercy, <laughs> she doesn't have a mom anymore. Her mom died when she was 17, and so mm-hmm. she's been, like, running the family business, and her dad has recently had a heart attack, so he's supposed to be resting, and he's just really, like, fucking up the, like, admin side of their oh, business. yeah, he's making it so he's much worse. He's not meant to be admin. He's not meant to balance books. He's not meant to do stuff. And they keep saying, well, it's great because Zeddy will be home from college and he's supposed to be taking over because it's Birdsall and Sun, right? Yep. And so in the meantime, Mercy is the one who's building boats and salting bodies and like taking care of all of this stuff. All the and ritualistic it's stuff. Just like a lot. And then Zeddy comes home and drops this bomb that he doesn't want to do this. And he actually failed out of all the classes and. It- <laughs> Doesn't know what he's doing with his and life. He's, and he's allergic to mahogany, which is what most of these boats are made out of. Yeah. So there's like, the it's just like family issue after family issue. And then we've come to find that Zeddy actually has like a weird talent that he didn't know, which is cooking. And so then he ends up throughout the book, like wowing everyone with all of his food. And then mm-hmm. he's going to go in and like apprentice with a really well-known chef in the area. Unpaid. <laughs> unpaid they're already struggling but for it was only for like two months or something like it was a very short apprenticeship very Um, nice okay (laughs) so the other bomb that's dropped on mercy is that her sister's pregnant but not ready to tell anyone so she's trying to like balance all these secrets and then her dad doesn't know that zeddy doesn't want to be an undertaker for a while so there's that secret they're trying to fake it for as long as they yeah. can and then their competitors trying to buy them out and mercy keeps being like no we can't let him do that and they're like why not it's a good amount of money no. you don't really want to do this and so she's like but it's the family business and she does actually love it but everyone treats her as though she couldn't possibly love it she was just forced to do this she, and she deserves to, to be off on her own or whatever she's had to put her life on hold to make everybody else happy and they don't understand that like they've never asked her yeah what would make her happy and what would make her happy would be to continue continue being the undertaker yeah so okay so we got that stuff out of the way they each go through a lot of growth um separately and that growth kind of comes from their letter writing which i always enjoy in a book if they're well written or funny or like witty letters I think it's a fun addition to a book. I love the epistolary. That's just one of my favorites. It's a good time. It's like, fun. It's a good back and forth where you don't have to write a lot of emotion because the emotion is in the words themselves. Well, and you get to know the characters more without the character showing you. Yeah. And that's always hard, I think. And that's an issue with some other books yeah. where they're trying too hard to show you the emotions. Absolutely. Yeah. And like you want to see it, but it's not working. It's not. Yeah. It do- sometimes it gets lost. But when you get a really good epistolary romance where they're writing those letters back and forth, it's easier to kind of see who the character is because they're in this case they don't know who they're writing to so they're more a little reserved at the beginning but then they become more uninhibited with their feelings yeah they don't really care about what they're writing they're more 
forthcoming with their emotion. And you get to see who that character is outside of moments of tension. Yeah. Which is always fun. I think one of my favorite parts about this whole thing was the actual letter sending because they use nimkalims. <laughs> and there's Yeah. And they are, like, they used to be messengers of the gods, but they're essentially animals. They're giant animals. And they are now just mailmen to regular people, and they hate it because they feel like they're above their station or whatever. So, And so they have, like, the worst time. But what's cool is they can see where a letter is meant to go without it being addressed, which is yes. how Hart's letter ends up going to Mercy, and Mercy's then... Goes in turn, back. goes back to heart. Because we all know in real life, if you put a letter in the mailbox with nothing on it, it's going nowhere. It's going to get tossed. It's going in the trash. And I think the best part about it is that the Nimkillum bring in a lot of humor. So Mercy's Nimkillum is an owl named Horatio. Mm-hmm. And Hearts is a giant foul-mouthed hare, like a rabbit, mm-hmm. named Basarius. Mm-hmm. And Basarius is kind of like, listen, you dumbass. Get your shit together. He's very blunt. Very blunt. Straightforward. And he likes to be tipped in whiskey. That's how they're bribing him to come find them out in, you know, while they're in the field doing their work. And Mm -hmm. it works. And so they build this relationship with all the stuff and then end up falling in love because Hart saves Mercy from a drudge. And it kind of goes crazy after that because... So he saves her from the dredge because he's already realized he's in love with her because he stood her up when the the pen pals were supposed to meet. Yep. And he, like, chickened out and instead picked a fight with her. Yeah. And Duckers is like, you have no balls. Like, come on, get it together. And (laughs) so he figures out that he is actually in love with Mercy. And he's like, have we been, like, just doing this all wrong? And he's going to go and tell her. And then the dredge attack happens. And she's all shaken up. And he's all shaken up. And then they end up, like going to the Founder's Day party and separately, but, like, they end up together and they end up having sex. And it's the cutest thing ever. It's, like, what you want it to happen. Like, you wanted it to happen. So, and everyone's kind of like, ooh, they're hanging out. Didn't they hate each other kind of feeling? And then everyone's like, you're just in love. And they're both, like, denying it for, like, a while. Well, and, like, Mercy's also dealing with her ex- She's got this ex who cheated who on her, her back. and wants her back. And she's like, um, And he sucks. He's not good at his job. He's the worst. He's an officer, not a marshal. Because when, when the dredge comes in, he runs. He's not there to, like, help. Just bad time. He's horrible and the worst. But the, the romance itself is nice because it's very slow in the beginning. Yeah. Because in the beginning, you're getting set up of who these characters are. But then the last end of it, after the dredge attack, it kind of goes really quick. Yeah. It does. It speeds up quite a bit because the romance is already there. It's already started. And then you have your third act breakup, which is not that bad. No. Well, and so the breakup stems from, like, a couple of things. (laughs) And part of it is just that Mercy is mad at Hart because Hart is still behaving like he's a bachelor, even though they're very clearly dating. And he's, like, hanging out with her family Mm -hmm. and stuff. And she's like, why can't you understand that I, I care about you? And then, like, the offshoot of that, which is why she's super mad at him, is he was going to tell her about the letters. Yeah. Because she had no idea. And Duckers is like, dude, you gotta say something. You have to tell her. It's gonna go wrong. And then she finds out when they're already in a fight. Yeah. Which just pushes her over the edge. And she's like, you need to leave. And he's crying. And, like, it's it's a big mess. But she was like, she comes around later on. Yeah. After she's done being mad. And because he, like, dies 
but like not really. Kind of. And, of um, and so it kind of like facilitates this moment of where she's like, you're so dumb. I didn't leave you. I just needed you to like figure your shit out kind of feel. Because he feels like he was broken up with and she was like, I had to step away for you to figure it out. Please. Yeah. We she's, break up. She very clearly is like, I'm not raising a child. I'm not guiding you through all this. You have to do this on your own. Yeah. And everyone's kind of telling him the same thing. And it's not that he's incapable. It's that he's lived a life so safe since Bill died. Yeah. That he doesn't take any risks. And so he just accepts whatever, like, fate serves him. Yeah. Without fighting for anything. And that's, like, well, a huge issue. And he also never really gets over the whole Bill thing. Well, he does. Eventually. At the end. At the end. Yeah, when he meets Jeff. Through the entire story, he doesn't, like, that's something that he doesn't want to talk about. Yeah. He can, like, he tells Duckers, he tells Duckers about, I had a friend, this is what happened. Yeah. But he doesn't really want to talk about how he's feeling about that. Yeah. So he has a really hard time with that, and Mercy can't handle that. She needs him to be open about what's going on with him and kind of face that. Before she can really feel comfortable with him. Mm -hmm. But she loves him just as much as he loves her. It's just a matter of them getting their shit together. And it's mostly Hart getting his shit together. And they're, well, they're both very strong willed, but in different ways. And sometimes when you have two very headstrong people, you're going to clash until you learn to compromise. And neither of them were willing to compromise for a long time in the book. And so that's just like, it creates a whole different problem, right? Yeah. And I think too, they're so, they're both so independent that it was kind of difficult for them to, remember that they can share responsibility between the two of them. Yeah. And that can always be hard. Yeah. I mean, I'm super independent as it is. You are as well. Oh, yeah. And so anytime we realize that we can share the burden of anything, we don't tend to feel like we can. But then, like, once you do it, you're like, oh, that's so much easier. <laughs> well, it's like... <laughs> that's, like, the the curse of it, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's kind of a, a weird balance that you have to figure out for yourself. And once you can... It all goes smoothly. And I think that's what happens in this case is that they both kind of need to understand that they can set down some of what's going on and have someone else pick that up and help them with that. Mm -hmm. But they're both characters who are so very solitary in their kind of in their lives. Like Mercy has her family, but at the same time, they don't understand her. Well, they don't let her speak for herself. They kind of speak for her. And then Hart has no one, or he says he has no one, but that's because he doesn't have blood family. He's got chosen family. Yeah. And a lot of people tend to struggle with equating those things as acceptable, you know, and that's where he's kind of struggling. So the very end of this um, is the, so the reason Bill died was that he had convinced Hart that out in this sector (laughs) um, that like a lot of judges appear at, you know, they need to go and take care of it because Hart tells him, I can see this house. I think I need to open the door for them. Uh It's my house. And Bill's like, do it, man. We got to do it. We got to get rid of these dredges. And so Hart attempts to do that. And that's how Bill dies is because he's then attacked by this like mob of dredges. And then Hart has to kill him to put him out of his misery and save his soul. Yeah. Um, And like the demigod thing for Hart is that he can see souls and he doesn't tell people that because he doesn't want people to treat him differently and because he doesn't know if he's immortal. So he decides at his like lowest point, which is always when you should make a huge decision. Sure. When you're feeling the worst about yourself, you have nothing to live for. He's like, I'm going to go and fucking take care of this house once and for all. So he goes and he's fighting drudges and he has the Equimaris with him that is an asshole. 
Um, <laughs> by the way, it was really funny. Salt Licker is funny, um, even though he's an asshole. And so he pushes the door open and all the souls fly out from Tanria and into this house. But in the process, all the dredges are essentially eating heart. Yeah. <laughs> They're eating him. And he's by himself, so there's, like, nothing he can do. There's nothing Salt Licker can do because Salt Licker can, you know, it's a water horse. He can't do very much. He just wants to and run and find the water. <laughs> he doesn't know. He's trying to fight. And so somehow someone finds him after all of the souls have left and the dredges are officially dead. Mm-hmm. They find him out in the middle of nowhere. And Mercy's like, well, did-? she first of all tells him, like, did you check there if he's been missing? And they're like, no. And she's like, you should probably check there. Yeah. Which is always dumb. Like, someone has to know, right? And <laughs> Someone always knows, but they never say that they know. So they recover his body, and it goes to Bird's on Sun because he had given up his funeral package, because everyone's required to have one, yes. from Cunningham's because he's, like, there, like, underhanded and skeezy. And he got one from Bird's on Sun's, and it's the most expensive one, so his body goes there. So imagine that you are super in love with someone, haven't seen them lately, and the last time you did, you had a fight, and now they're dead, and you have to handle their dead body. Oh, and it's the worst. Mercy has the worst time trying to get that taken care of. Yeah, and she's like, well, he did, he wanted to know if he was immortal, and I guess he's not, because that was, like, a mystery. Yeah. And so as that's happening, like, the 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 storyline that coincides with it is that he is passed on to the afterlife, and in this afterlife, he meets his father, who ends up being a god. Yeah. Um, well, we already know he's a god, because he's, he's a demigod. demigod. But he, he's the god that is supposed to greet the, <laughs> souls, the souls and let them in the house. Yeah. And so we find out the backstory of this, which you can read on your own. I'm not going to ruin every, like, section of the book. There's a lot of this that you should read by yourself that we shouldn't tell you because it is something that I think you have to fully understand to get through it. I think just telling everything doesn't work. Yeah, that's why I'm skipping it, Jessica. Which is good. And I'm just saying, if you're listening (laughs) and you weren't sure if you wanted to read this, you should. Just do it. You know, Jessica's opinion is, like, totally unbiased. Absolutely unbiased. <laughs> so he meets his dad and he gets to kind of relive his childhood as though he had both his parents because he finds out like his dad actually loved his mom but couldn't stay with his mom because he's gone. Blah, 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 blah. And then he starts to come back into his own body. And as we know, in any movie or book, that is never good. No. <laughs> and so he has like a horrible time. He's waking up on the embalming table. He's naked. There's people all around him. But it's mostly that his wounds are healing and he has a heartbeat. Yeah. And, like, he's starting to breathe. And they're like, what the fuck? And they're like, oh, he's immortal. No, no. He's not immortal. He gets to have another try because that's the deal is that he received one life each from his mother and his father. So he's used one and he has another to live. It's it's very weird. Like, that's not how I thought that was going to go. So anyways, <laughs> they put him in Mercy's bed, and then he wakes up and he tries to leave, and it's like this whole big deal. But then they finally get their shit together, and they're in love at the end. Yes. So it all works out. It all works um, out in the end. In the midst of all of this, Mercy and Lillian are solving the Cunningham mystery, because Cunningham is forcing all the other undertakers out of business. Yes. By reanimating corpses. That are supposed to be sent back to families. And he's he they're creating a like a monopoly on all of the things that they need. So all of the lumber yeah. in that one area, they'd have to like yep. spend more money to get it from the other side of And Tamria. it's all because they have this um like law where you can sign up for this grant for indigent processing, which means people who don't have an ID tag 
or what they call a key, mm-hmm. is they get sent to these places and they process them and give them their burial rights and stuff. And um, Cunningham is trying to, like, corner the market on that. So in order to make all the money, he's recreating or reanimating these bodies to be drudges so that they can be brought to him. So he can just keep, like... Because he's re- gross. Repeating their processes of death so that he can reap in the benefits, all the money for it. Which is so creepy. It is the worst. And it's all because he learned how to use, like, a fake like a fake skin type stuff mm-hmm. to repair the appendix so that the soul has somewhere to go again. So gross. And it's- and they just shove the dead bodies through the mist into the other side Ugh. so that they can be reanimated by the souls. Yeah. So creepy. So he gets his comeuppance because he gets caught. And then that's the end of the story. Yeah. Okay. That's pretty much it. We're going to be real honest with y'all. We're keeping this one short tonight because it's 10 o'clock at night. Which is weird. And we're ready to go celebrate the weekend. And that's fine. We have things to do. We have things to do. But it is is something that I think that if you want something a little bit weird and a little bit cozy and a lot of bit adorable, I recommend it. I think there are also a lot of really good lines, especially from Heart, um, that kind of speak to how you might feel if you truly felt alone. Yeah. And about learning to accept help or family or kindness from people. Yeah. And that's something that I don't think we see often enough. We find in romance a lot, it's like, she needs to fix him. And she's out flat out refusing. (laughs) I will not be fixing you. You need to get it together and you need to do it soon. Yeah. And it kind of works. Like it's, they're both butting heads constantly, but it's in a way that is good for both of them. Yeah. You know, he um, is very emotional. He cries throughout the book, but not like a baby. Like, you know how, like... Men who cry just to cry to try to get someone to be back on their side. like, crying is a good thing. Like, emotion, like, showing emotion is great. We're for it. But you know how in, like, movies they portray, like, the weenie as, like, someone who just cries at the drop of a hat? It didn't feel like that. He cries for legitimate reasons where you would cry when they're fighting or arguing or he's realizing how lonely he actually is or how much Alma and her wife care about him or when he's grieving his dog. Like, he's a very genuine character. Yeah, he's a very genuine character. And he doesn't suck it up just to, like, suck it up generally. Like, he doesn't cry in front of everyone all the time, but he's not making it a point to be like, I don't care about that. And I think we see that a lot in. Um, male characters in books. Um, this also, this book had an undertone of the queer. Oh, um, it was so good. Which I think was done really, really well because it was mentioned offhandedly. Mm-hmm. It was, I'm going to introduce you to Alma and her wife, Diane. Or, um, Penrose. Zeddy, why can't you keep your eyes off of Ducker's ass? Yeah. And it wasn't a thing where it was like, a big announcement that people were queer, characters were queer. It just was. It just, they existed and no one had an issue with it. Like, that wasn't an underlying storyline because I hate it so much when they use a queer person in the book to, like, promote this other storyline. Yeah. And they ma- they create a problem because it shouldn't be a problem. It's never a problem. And, and if, in the future, in a fantasy novel, if that is still a problem, then we have not learned anything. You know exactly. what I mean? Exactly. So yeah. that was kind of a nice, um, like, nod to um, 
it becoming Pride Month very soon for us. Yeah. And that was pretty cool. And I think by the time we release this, it will be Pride Month. Weird. Happy Pride. Yeah. I'm excited. So let's go ahead and start rating this on a scale of <laughs> one to We five. didn't discuss anything. We just went through the plot. Listen, what are we discussing? I How much know, I what love do you want to discuss? No, be specific. <laughs> so before we rate it then, let's do this. When it comes to fantasy. Yes. Because I know that you don't read a ton of it. I know. I definitely read more since we started doing this pod. You have. Yeah, because you keep picking fantasy novels. Fuck yes, I do. Or we have like monthly themes that are fantasy. Yes. Stuff, you know. Okay. So of the fantasy that you have read on the pod and outside of. Yes. How would you compare this to that? Um, it was weird that so I've talked about Cressley Cole multiple yes. times on here. This very much reminded me of some Cressley Cole vibes. Okay. For um Poison Princess, that series. Yeah. And part of it is the drudges because she has the bagmen mm-hmm. who are terrifying. Oh, they're so scary. I didn't know they were so scary. And I can remember specifically reading those books and being like, I don't want to go to sleep at night because I they come remember. up out of any water. Yeah, I remember it's you telling so me about creepy. the book. And then Kat would go, I read last night before bed and then I had weird dreams all night about because, Bagman. And the, so they're not zombies. No. They're like mushy Gross. flesh because they're Ew. like birthed from any moisture in the ground. The way you said birthed, birthed just gave I know. me the chills. I'm so sorry. Um, so we had that kind of alignment. Um, also feeling a little bit post-apocalyptic, even though this doesn't say it is. It doesn't say that anywhere. No. But because feels... of the way that they talk about the old gods and the new gods mm-hmm. and the, the like the mention of, like, they have a lot of things that are advanced, but they also don't. So, like, yeah. um. So, like, they have the mist, and you can create portals and, like, all this stuff, and that sounds futuristic, but they go to temple, and they worship, and they have to kill the drudges with <laughs> arrows. Like, like it's, like, stuff things. like that, right? And so, it's, like, a really interesting mix, which I think in fantasy is very, very common. Did you get the Western vibes from it, too? Um, kind of. Like, it's weird, because, like, I don't, like, I know what a marshal is, but for some reason, I didn't equate that with the cowboy hat which is very clearly cowboy hat and cowboy boots on the cover (laughs) and i didn't equate that with that until later really and i was like that kind of makes sense though um they also don't bury their dead they go straight up pyre yeah which is interesting because that's a very very old school practice and it's weird because they have like the days of the weeks all god's day or all yeah all god's day and they have pyre day which is Mm -hmm. or bones day yeah. Oh, they have like grandfather bones. Yeah. <laughs> who is deaf and blind, and that's why all the souls can't get in the house and stuff. Yes. Like it's just there's just like little things throughout that are kind of fun. It's like a sprinkling of Cause every really, genre. Because really, what did she recreate? She didn't create something brand spanking new that we're mm-hmm. like we don't get it. She kind of like pulled stuff from other fantasy yeah. norms. This is a I you've got male retelling. It's. It was cute. It was cute. It was cute. It was cute. If you found out there was a sequel coming, would you read it willingly? Um, sorry, I'm yawning. Um, it's because it's 10.30 p.m. And we're ancient. I should be tired. I fell asleep on the couch earlier. <laughs> <laughs> and I took a nap. Um, I don't... 
I think I'd probably read it. I mean, I liked this one for sure. It was a lot longer than I thought it was going to be. Like, it was a fast read. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But it is a very long book. It is a very long book. Although there is a chapter that is only, like, two sentences. Yeah. And, and it's funny because that reminded me of Twilight when everyone was like, oh, Stephanie Meyer's so, so creative. And it was all of those months. depression <laughs> chapters are just blank. So stupid. Um, I just I, kind of hate Twilight. I have good news. Yeah. There's, there's, a, there's one coming out. Yeah, yeah. I figured since you asked that. There's a sequel. Um, but yeah, I liked it. I didn't think I liked it as much as I did. But I didn't have problems with it. Like, there wasn't any continuity Mm-mm. issues. There wasn't anything that gave me the ick. It was a pretty solid story start to finish. Yeah. Like, everything felt very cohesive. The characters, like I said, were very genuine feeling. Well, and you like both of them from the beginning. Yeah. Like, the problem I think we find is that normally <laughs> when it's an enemy to lovers, we end up hating someone. One Whether it's the annoying. third party. Even the third party in this, he's just dumb. Yeah. Like, he's an asshole for sure for oh, cheating. Yeah that's but he's an what idiot. it is but it's because he's stupid <laughs> well and there's no there's no point either where you don't like the side characters because a lot of times we'll be like i love this person but i hate this their friend or whatever yeah yeah you don't really find that because like yes her ex is the worst but he's not a horrible character yeah he's a very fleshed out character and i feel like every character you meet in this book they are very fleshed out they are very human, mm-hmm. which is surprising, because I feel like that's something that a lot of um, past authors we've read struggle with. Yeah, where we're like those people, you just pull them out; they don't matter. Yeah. Everyone in this is linked together in such a way that if you pulled them out, the story would be okay. Yeah, but they add positive things to it. Yeah, like I can remember there are a couple books where we're like, why are they in here? Why are they in here? Like constantly, Ugh, and then they get their own book, and you're like, I don't want to. And you're like, well, that. that's why they're in that book so that they could be the spinoff, and it's just like a, it's a silly like publishing tactic, and it's useless and uh, and boring. Yes. I would happily read a book from every single one of these characters, the side characters, happily. I don't know that they'd be as interesting. No, and I don't know that they all need their own books. But if it were to go that way. Like, if it were a situation where it could happen, I yeah. wouldn't be upset about it. Yeah. I'd be like, I get more in the world of Tanria. Yeah. Which is what I would always want. Yeah. I'm very excited for the next one. Very, very excited. That's fair. But it's, I feel like it, it is one of the solid, more solid, like, fantasy romances that are out right now. Yeah. Because fantasy romance is coming very, very strong lately a lot of people are it's like because we're expanding more. past like werewolves and finally shit. werewolves and vampires and shifters but not in a good way like not always i think people like maybe try too hard when they're writing fantasy to yeah. create something that has never been done and that's just not possible when you have shit like avatar and right? like star wars and stuff i think though what worked with this is that it's a sprinkle of a bunch of genres yeah that always i think helps when you're not so stuck in one particular thing yeah. that you can't do anything else. I think that's really frustrating. Because we have... And so this kept it interesting. Yeah, because we have romance. We have fantasy. We have a mystery. We have a Western feel to it. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, kind of a weird paranormally aspect to it. Yeah. It just kind of sprinkles everything in. And, it, and I think that Megan Bannon did a great job of making sure there was an equal balance of everything and keeping it very well balanced throughout the entire thing. Because in things like this, with this many different types of books 
just thrown together uh, genres, I should say, it can be very difficult to make sure you balance them and you're not favoring one over the other. Would you still say that you would categorize this as enemies to lovers? Because that's what I would put it under. I would put it under enemies to lovers. It's an epistolary enemies to lovers as far as I'm concerned. I don't know. How many letters do you need to have or exchanges to make it fully an epistolary, though? That's a good question. Because they don't have tons and tons. Like, we've read where there's more. Yeah. We've definitely read a couple books where it's like every other page is a letter or a note or a response or something. Um, which one and was we don't that? have that. Oh, God. The one where... The really old school one. The historical. The Tessa Dare where she's writing letters to the fake mm-hmm. captain or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it turns out to not be fake. That had a lot more letters, but they were only one-sided. She yeah. never received anything in return. Yeah. So that's a good question. What makes an epistolary? How many letters do they Ugh, have to write? Have they extended it to include like emails and text messages? You know, I am in a romance book club, and we recently did um, – we basically did You've Got Mail. And we had a conversation about epistolary and where – is it just letters? Is it now emails and text messages? Just correspondence in general, maybe? I don't know that we ever came to an agreement either. I don't see a problem including emails. I would have a problem including text. Because I feel like text is a normal form of communication. Well, text is like in place of a phone call. Email is in place of a letter. Does that make sense? That makes sense. That makes sense. I don't know. Okay. Okay, let's... Okay, that was more conversation. I feel better. You feel less... Well, you feel less like, no, not that I was feeling rushed. Just, usually we have more to say about the content. True. Yeah. Um, But uh, we've noted before that if we don't have any complaints, our episodes are much shorter. (laughs) Yeah. Whereas if we hate things like cooler corn, we have a lot more to talk about. I love that that's your favorite episode. Listen, just listen to the part where I'm complaining about the stupid company having to make a stupid announcement (laughs) to not put hot boiling corn in your cooler. Um, Ask people who had corn on the cob for dinner tonight. We did not put it in. No, we did like normal people and then grilled it. We did. And it was delicious. Because we are not animals. We are not. Okay. Scale of one to five, how do you rate the undertaking of Heart and Mercy? I would probably do hmm, like a 4.5. Okay. Um, It didn't give me the same frustration that I feel I often get when we have a, a breakup okay. within a romance. Because that's so common. Um, She still did the classic thing of like, well, then I don't want to see you again or yeah. whatever. And then regretted it, obviously. Um, and I think that's just, like, an overused thing in general, not specific to this book. It's a pretty normal thing, and I think the genre as itself, like, on its, it's own. It's very annoying. It can get Because, like, if the tables were turned, and the dude was like, never talk to me again, and the woman kept trying, he'd be like, bitch, I'm getting a restraining order. <laughs> like, stop that. Whereas when it's the man trying to do a grand gesture, but it's, like, little acts of kindness – Everyone's like, oh, he's trying. And I'm like, no. Can can we talk about his grand gesture just being that he's alive? He's not actually dead. (laughs) When you're six foot nine, you can get away with a lot, Jess. (laughs) Just saying. He's not six foot four, so he can get away with everything. Yeah. So (laughs) he's special. He's special. I'm assuming you're giving this a five because you're the one that recommended it. (laughs) 
This was this was a five star read for me, and it is because it hit everything that I've ever wanted in a romance, mm-hmm. specifically in a like fantasy paranormally romance, because they are so textbook, if you will. They are very um, formulaic. A lot yeah. of them are copy, you know, copy. And paste. it's rare to find one that doesn't invoke like medieval times for some reason for some reason everyone thinks fantasy and automatically goes zelda no and that's like their basis of things and then it's a quest and it gets really messy like um heart kept making the joke of there are no dragons in tanria yeah and that's specifically because most fantasies are going to have some form of dragon or centaur, or minotaur, or whatever the weird fantasy Some creature is. Some kind of, is. like, mythological so, being. So that makes sense. And the only real mythological being that we have here is that we have gods, the old gods. And I think that it was just written so well and so cohesively mm-hmm. that when I initially read it, it stole my heart for the entire year. This is my favorite book of last year. Do you like that theme? It's actually Hartley James. <laughs> <laughs> And she calls him heartache all the time. Heartache. And then he calls her merciless. And I think those are good nicknames, honestly. They're funny. Better than, what was the stupid... <sighs> we read a Christmas book and they kept calling the girl really stupid nicknames. Which Christmas book? Because the one where she kept your- having to relive the same fucking day. Because she oh, couldn't do things right. The uh, Christina Lauren one. Yeah, and they called her really weird things. I cannot remember what they called her. Um, but it was just like a weird play on her name, wasn't it? Some of it, and then some of it didn't make sense. And there yeah. was a lot of it. That was a not great book for me. No. But we're not talking about that. But one. this one, this is just one that if someone were to ask me, what is your favorite recent read? Recent read. Yeah. It is always, this is the top of my list. And like I said earlier... If someone were to ask me for a recommendation, this is the one that I go for. Mm-hmm. Um, I recently um, went to a friend's birthday party. I say recently as if it wasn't March and we're at the end of May. I was like, which friend? You're like, not me. I was like, whose birthday was it recently? <laughs> um, so See, recently. A week ago? Two years ago? We exactly. don't know. We don't know. But I went to her um, her birthday and I wanted to bring a gift to her. And I know she's gotten into reading again now that she's kind of settled into her position at her work. And so she wanted to start reading again. Mm -hmm. And she's been working her way through some things. And we message on Instagram every once in a while about what she's reading. And I decided that I was going to get her two of my most recent favorite reads. Mm -hmm. And it was The Undertaking of Heart and Mercy and Georgie All Along. Oh, okay. Those are two good ones. Because I just felt like... They needed to be passed on again. Mm-hmm. And anytime I'm in the bookstore and someone has this in their hand, I'll say, you should get it. Don't even read the back of it. You're so nosy. <laughs> I, I am when I, when people are at the bookstore. That's okay. I am. But it's one of those that I'm just like, don't read the back of it. Don't go in knowing anything. Just enjoy the ride. Because it's weird and just whimsically weird is how I If you're it. a normal person and someone says it to you, you don't have to listen to them. You can read the book. You, read the back of the book. You can read the synopsis, just not when I'm around. <laughs> it wasn't a very long synopsis. Anyway. It doesn't give no. much away. So we need to figure out our next book. Oh and our God. next one is... I thought it was Alicia Rye. Well, technically, movie? it's your pick. And we could Oh, do... we're going back and forth? Yeah. Oh. And you have an inheritance of curses on here. But yes. if you want to steal... Oh, no, that's okay. Inheritance of curses is really funny. Okay. 
because it's just a fucking disaster from start to finish. Is this the Nephilim one? No. You still have not figured that out. I didn't look. <laughs> like, since three weeks ago. Now, this one is um, a woman who's, like, a witch, and she, her aunt goes missing, and so she goes to find her aunt at her, like, apothecary shop, and it ends up she's got a bunch of other creatures, like, slash humanoid things okay. locked in the basement that are not supposed to interact with each other, so it's, like vampire werewolf fairies like things that aren't supposed to be a vampire like that don't get along are, and it's it's a wild ride it's a wild ride and it's okay. very it's funny and it's like <laughs> you're like god your aunt fucking sucks like the I'm whole way i'm trying to remember because i remember you telling me the nephilim one is it indigo dusk mm, probably I feel like that's right, because there's angel wings on this cover. Oh, then probably. Yeah, that's probably it. All right, so should we do that one, or should we do the inheritance one? I don't care. Either one's fine, honestly. Let's Because let's they're both, like, one's funny, and one's just, like, weirdly enthralling. Okay. Um, I will say the Indigo Desk one does feature a protagonist who has, um, like, a chronic illness. Okay. Um... So there's that, if that means anything to anyone. Neither of them are queer. Well. Well. <laughs> no, I would say neither. So here's queer. my question. Are either one of these, mm-hmm. why choose? No. Okay. That was the only one that I had. Oh, thank God. That was the why choose. Let's do, let's do an Inheritance of Curses by okay. DJ Holmes. You're going to just, I hope you love how ridiculous it is because everything is just a disaster. I cannot wait. It's going to be great. So join us next time yep. as we read that book I just said, An Inheritance <laughs> of Curses. I close my notes app by DJ Holmes. And until next time, remember that bad bitches read romance. Bye. Bye.